Today's podcast is brought to you by... Jesus Christ, how long are we going to do this bit? Welcome to Down with Joe DeRosa. One topic, one hour. No guests today, just me. I'm the only one. And we're going to talk about anxiety. Uh, here's the thing, guys. I usually write these little intros or whatever for the show. Uh, but I'm not going to write them on these solo episodes anymore because it's stupid. I'm just saying the things I think and then saying more of the things I think. And quite frankly, I, I need a break. Be you know writing all the time. When am I a machine? Anyway, anxiety. That's the topic today. Uh, I suffer from it greatly. Uh, you know, it's funny. I woke up this morning and I was anxious because I hadn't thought of what I wanted to do or talk about on the podcast today, and uh, I had a stomachache over it. And as I was nervously trying to figure out what topic we were, I was going to cover. I uh, then realized. Oh, I should talk about anxiety since I have a stomach ache right now as I think about this. Uh, I don't know how many of you suffer from it, but uh, it's certainly something that's, I would say, almost plagued me my entire life. Uh, you know, waking up in the morning with a, with a cramp or a, a, a somersaulting stomach is something I am not unfamiliar with. Uh, going to bed, uh, you know, unable to fall asleep, tossing and turning because of stress, whatever. Again, you know, that's that's well-known territory for me. Um, and then just that general nervousness throughout the day. And, you know, it's not always a robust thing. You know, I think, I think people that don't suffer from anxiousness uh, you know, think that the people that do, it's not so bad if it's not like a Woody Allen style thing. If you're not walking around going, <laughs> you know, and dropping piles of dishes and papers everywhere. That's not what it's like. It's just a general uneasiness throughout the day. And it makes you just not feel totally right. You know, some people get it. Uh, more when it comes to social interactions, and that's that's the stress through their day, and and it's all amplified by just having to generally interact with people. Uh, some people get it because driving their car uh, makes them incredibly nervous. Uh, some people get it because of their job. Uh, some people get it because of all of those things. Um, and then there are people that are like me where it's not one particular thing that triggers it. It's just this general uneasiness. It's just not being calm all the time. And I guess the best thing I could equate it to would be you just feel like you're always about <laughs> to play a big game. You know, like you're on like a basketball team, you're in the locker room, they're about to announce you, and you have to run out in the court. It, it's just always that feeling of something's about to happen. Don't fuck it up. Something's about to happen. Don't fuck it up. And what what is about to happen? And what am I not supposed to fuck up? I don't even know. I don't even know. I've thought about getting medication for it. Um, you know, I've talked to doctors about Xanax. That relaxes you, obviously. Most of the doctors I have asked, well, all of them, because I've never been prescribed it, uh, that I've ever asked about it were universal in the opinion that it's not a great idea because it's very habit-forming. Uh, and it also doesn't really fix the problem. It just kind of masks it. Um, I've talked to other doctors about getting put onto some sort of heavier mental medication. You know, now we're talking your Zolofs, that sort of thing. Your prednisones. I believe that's one, right? Is prednisone a mental thing? Or is that a painkiller? I don't even know. This is part of why I'm so goddamn uneasy all the time. I don't take it seriously enough to figure out the real solution. I don't even know what prednisone is. A doctor could walk in right now and go, take prednisone. I would just take it. Okay, I'll take it. I don't care. It could be fucking medicine for your dog's liver. 
I don't even know. I would just take it. I need to start researching this stuff a little more because that's the thing. Not being educated, that's what causes a great amount of anxiety. They always say you fear what you don't know. <laughs> I don't know a lot. There is a shitload of stuff I don't know. So trust me, there's a lot of fear swirling around inside of me at all times. Anyway, I have considered getting on a more serious mental uh, medication to uh, deal with this. But I, I, I don't know, man. I tried Zoloft once. And, you know, first of all, uh, it made me very weirdly fatigued all the time. I was very tired always. And I, I remember I would eat lunch and then I would nap and then I'd wake up and eat dinner. And then I'd have to go out and do shows and I'd be sad that I couldn't nap again. Uh, so I don't know. Does that sound like a cure for depress, depressing behaviors? I don't think so. Uh, but I, they say that that's just for the first whatever, you know, you go through a weird grace period with it. You know, they always tell, they tell you, hey, if you go on the, one of these pills, don't make any rash decisions or big decisions in the first like six weeks or something. Um, also, you might want to kill yourself. I don't. It just doesn't sound like a great idea. I was certainly somewhere in that ballpark. I didn't want to kill myself, but I certainly felt a little more depressed on Zoloft uh, and a little less anxious. Um, but that was when they upped my dosage. My first round with it, it was working well, and I was feeling really good. And then they upped my dosage, and, uh, and then it got worse. I, I remember being a little mood swingy yelling at my girlfriend at the time that she watched everybody else do karaoke except me that's how's that for fucking psychotic literally yelling at my girlfriend like i saw you watch everybody else sing but not me <laughs> that's fucking crazy uh and i promise you that's not my behavior that was the zoloff talking um the biggest problem i had with zoloff was my dick didn't work properly my dick just didn't work properly. It just, just you could, you could kind of get a boner, but then like you'd be having sex and you, you couldn't even finishing was nowhere in the, nowhere in sight. I mean, forget about it, man. It was just the saddest thing. It was just like your dick was like this government worker. That just showed up every day and just sort of trudged along in this dark office. Never really saw retirement <laughs> anywhere on the horizon. It was just like, we're just going to be here doing this same thing for a while. <laughs> no excitement. No finish. It really sucked. Uh, and, I, and I just got to a point. I was like, you know what? Mood swings. Tired. Dick doesn't work. I'm not taking this shit anymore. And I just stopped taking it. And uh, they also advise you greatly against that. You're not just supposed to go on and go off severe metal medication, mental medication uh, on a whim. Um, but I did because uh, I have no respect for anything. Uh, and uh, I'll never forget, uh, I went off of it and uh, about three days after being you know, clean, so to speak, I was in my hotel room, I was on the road, and I got the greatest urge I've ever had to masturbate, and I masturbated with a real boner, and I had an explosive orgasm. Sorry, that's gross. Explosive is the worst way to describe orgasm. Um, and I was like, I'm back, baby. I'm not doing Zoloft, beat it. There are apparently other ones that are better than Zoloft. And look, if you're on Zoloft, and it's working for you, that's great. I'm not trying to tell anybody to not take it. I'm not telling anybody to take it. If it's working for you and it's helping your life be a better experience, then great, keep doing it. Uh, I'm just telling you my experience. You know, you got to be careful when you talk about this sort of stuff because it affects everybody differently. There's no real right or wrong answer. Some people are so against metal, mental medication. Why do I keep saying metal medications? Jesus, I'll make that fucking mistake for the rest of it. And then there you go. I I'm actually do have anxiety that I'm going to keep making that stupid mistake through the whole podcast. Jesus Christ. Um, some people have 
really hard stances against taking these things. You know, don't take it, man. Screws your brain. But the best thing I've ever heard, you know, the best take I've ever heard on it is, look, your brain is a muscle like any other, and, you know, it's an organ. It's, it's, got, it's got its problems. It can work incorrectly. It can malfunction. If there was something wrong with your heart, you would take a medicine or a medication for that. Um, and I agree with that. I agree with that. I just don't agree with how easily sometimes people go on them. Uh, I think you need to be in a certain place with us that you know that has a certain severity to it, where you need to take these things. I don't think you should just jump right on them because let's be honest, guys. A lot of our depression, a lot of our anxiety, it's not really coming from anywhere greater than we don't want to deal with stuff. You know? You get anxious a lot about work. Oh, my God, work's stressing me out right now. What that really is a lot of the time is we don't want to do work. We don't want to go do our jobs. Of course, we, yeah, who wants to? You want to lay around. You want to play your PlayStation 4, you know, watch your Netflix or go to Six Flags, whatever it is. But, you know, you got to go to work. Why? Because you got to make money. Why? Because you got to feed yourself, pay for your rent, whatever. So a lot of times you get depression and anxiety from work because you're thinking there's this thing I have to do that I don't want to do, but I can't not do it or I'll starve or my kids will starve or my wife will starve or whatever it is or my husband will starve, whatever it is. And uh, that causes you anxiety. And then, then we start to translate that, though, into, oh, I'm depressed. I'm this, I'm that, I'm just bummed out. It's like, it, that's, a, in my opinion, a, mis, a misinterpretation. You just don't feel like going to work, and you have to, and that sucks, and that's kind of a bummer. But that's not really making you depressed. You just don't want to deal with something. And also, depression is a great solution to not deal with something. Oh, God, is that a great solution. I can't do that right now. I just can't deal. I'm not in the right headspace to do this right now. I can't think straight. I can't do that work right now. What a great excuse that is. Sometimes it's true. A lot of the time, come on, it's bullshit. You do it, I do it. We all do it. It's bullshit. So you got to be careful how quickly you're willing to medicate these issues. You know, the first and foremost thing you should do is figuring out what the cause of these issues really are. So back to my anxiety. I have it. Do I need to be on Xanax to deal with it? I don't know. Probably not since I've never taken it yet. It hasn't gone that far where I've needed to take it, uh, where I've said this is unbearable or unmanageable. And that's really been the thing that's made me not start dosing myself with one of those pills because it's not unmanageable yet. You know, I really look at anxiety and depression uh, as. You know, the same way I do with like alcoholism or drug addiction. You know, and they'll say in AA, it's when the subst- addiction is when the substance is making your life unmanageable. Well, the substance in this case is stress. And is it making your life unmanageable? Well, for me, I, I, not so far, no. Has it complicated my life? Absolutely. Has it prevented me from succeeding in certain areas? A hundred percent. But is that unmanageable or is that just the pitfalls of life? This is the things we go through. These are the things we deal with. You know, it's not all supposed to be smooth sailing. Sometimes things get fucked up. Sometimes things get botched. And sometimes the reason for those things getting fucked up or botched is your fault. It's you. And sometimes the, the, the cause of that is your, is your stress, you know, is your anxiousness. So I don't know. I do... And I'm trying currently to, to, to figure out how to pump the brakes on it, you know, how to just kind of learn how to deal with it. Ultimately, I'd like to deal with it on my own um, before pursuing any other methods of dealing with it. I've tried therapy. I'm hot and cold with therapy. You know, there are times when I've gone and I've said, this is terrific. There are other times when I say, this is bullshit. There's a line from a Woody Allen movie called anything else, and I can't remember if I've quoted this on the podcast before, Ernie 
the engineer is shaking his head that I have. Uh, I'll quote it again because it applies. I, th- I Actually, I think we talked about this in the Nikki Glaser suicide episode. Ernie shakes his head again. Ernie knows. Um, the line in the movie, anything else, and Woody Allen's character says it, is throughout this life there will be, no, I'm paraphrasing, but throughout this life there will be no shortage of people who say they can help you. I'm talking priests and shaman uh, and therapists. Of course, it's going to cost you a couple of bucks. But in the end, none of them can help you because life is what it is. It's a profound line to me. That line took me out of therapy for many years. I was just like, that's it. He's right. I'm not doing it again. Uh, And then I went back eventually and said, you can't not go to therapy because of a line you heard in a movie. You know, maybe you can. Is that any different from reading, you know, some Freud thing or, or, uh, you know, a a thing in a Kafka story or, or some novel or poem or whatever other thing that might inspire you where you stop and go, oh yeah, uh, no, all right, that changed my life. Um, But eventually I went back. And for a little while, it was good. I don't know. I think ultimately I find, and this, again, isn't for everybody, but I find that therapy uh, for me is not much more fruitful uh, a process than just talking to good friends. You know, I get the same out of talking to a friend uh, and having a heart-to-heart conversation and the same feeling of peace, inner peace, uh, better perspective of the world and everything around me, my surroundings, uh, then I do, you know, it's the same thing. It's, that's how I feel when I leave the therapy office. I walk out and I go, okay, uh, I feel like I can deal with today and hopefully tomorrow. That's how I feel after I sit and have a, and have a whiskey with a buddy and, and really just talk out life. I think if you're lucky enough to have friends that you have meaningful relationships with those conversations happen about once a week so maybe that can replace therapy i don't know for me it has at at certain times in my life i always and i don't know how accurate this is but i always looked at therapy as it's like a it's your your brain is like a table okay and what you hope is that you have a table with four even legs. It's sturdy. You can rest a lot of things on that table and, and, and use that table as, as your place for setting things out in your life. All the items you need to place, you, you, know, you place them on that table. Uh, so you can organize them and deal with them whenever. And when you need therapy, it's like that table has one leg that's shorter than the other three, and it wobbles, and it wobbles. And therapy to me then becomes the book that you put under that table leg to make the table sit even. And it's not really a solution. At least for me it wasn't. It was just a book under the table leg. It didn't replace the leg. That's the solution, replacing that table leg and saying, no, now the table's fine. It was just a way to keep the table from wobbling. But I always knew if somebody kicks that book out from under the table leg, this thing is going to fucking fall over. And that's what always kind of danced around in the back of my brain when I thought about therapy, even when I was in therapy. I always thought to myself, okay, well, I feel good now, and we're going to put the sessions on hold for now. But what about a year from now? You know, And I would ask therapists that. Well, what about a year from now? And they'd say, well, then you know, if you need to come back, you come back. And I always thought... Well, then what the fuck good is it doing me? If I'm going to eventually have to come back, then what's the point? Why? Then we didn't fix anything. So then I thought, I need to become, you know, like a, like a mercenary type with my mental stability. I need to be completely self-reliant. Like, you can drop me into the jungles of madness, and I'll survive somehow not with the assistance of any supplies I brought with me, but just completely on my own. I have nothing. There's the, ba- the backpack is empty. I have no tools. You drop me out there, I'll live. I wanted to figure it out like that because I looked at therapy as those tools 
you know? And I thought, like, as long as I'm relying on them, what chance do I really have here? I have to figure out how to, you know, find that weird bug that I can just eat on my own, and then, and then I'll, I'll be in good standing. Have I figured it out yet? Fuck no. Not even close. But I'm trying. I'm trying, and I remain hopeful that I can, that I can one day potentially figure this out because anxiety man particularly particularly because to me anxiety is the fuel okay we're talking about therapy we're talking about depression anxiety is the trigger anxiety to me triggers the depression and depression is the thing that makes you go to the therapy um but anxiety to me is the trigger that's where it starts starts and it's such a small anxiety anxiety is like crumbs on the countertop what harm is it doing? It's just a few crumbs on the countertop. But you let that shit go, you'll have ants. You'll have ants. And then the next thing you know, you got problems in the, in the, in the wood and the ants, and there's an infestation in the house, and now you got to get guys to come in and rip up the floors. and Anxiety, that's, that's the seed. It plants, and it just, it just grows from there. And I'm trying to figure out how to stop it. One of the things I'm trying to do is not think about the future. You know, one of the things I learned about, uh, about this stuff was uh, when I was writing for uh, the Pete Holmes show, uh, one of our guests in the first run of shows was Deepak Chopra. And Deepak, one of his philosophies was thinking about the past is regret, thinking about the future is... Uh, anxiety, I believe, was what he said. Um, I totally, totally agree with that. And that's one of the things I'm trying to implement in my life. Not thinking about the future. Just not thinking about it, ever. You know? Uh, I'm not ever, Christ. You know, I try to make sure I have underwear for the week. And, uh, you know, that I have food to eat. And, you know, and, and that I'm showering at the right time to get out the door to do what I have to do but you know what I mean not thinking about the big future too much trying to put the goals in place but not focusing too hard on the goals you know everybody tells you to be goal oriented look man that's good if you're a psychotic fucking robot you know what I mean that like just locks into that groove and like okay this step this step and then that step and then this step and then that step that's insane that's insane. And there are people that do that and find great success. I doubt any of them are happy. And I'm not living in that world. Fuck that shit. No way. I'm not doing that. So I try to, I try to have my goals, but I don't want to be too goal-oriented. Being goal-oriented in life is like being goal-oriented in a hockey game. It's, it's, that, that, it's, it's, everything is flying at 100 miles an hour, and you're just going, get the bucket! You know, and it, it, who wants to live like that? Who wants to live like Stop, breathe, enjoy yourself. I, I, I can't, I can't get the bucket. It's, it's nuts. There's no way to live. I'm not living like that. Or at least I say I'm not. Tomorrow I'll be biting my fingernails, crying about why hasn't, you know, why haven't I booked this thing yet in my career or whatever. Um, but I really am. I'm trying to stop thinking about the big picture too much. You know, just focus on the now. Be good in the now. Now we don't have anxiety anymore, theoretically, if we can just focus like that. Focus on what's happening in this moment, not tomorrow, not, you know, it, it, you know, is it going to, is this gig going to be good? Am I going to have a good time on the road? Am I going to have enough to do? Am I going to meet the right girl to marry one day am i gonna have enough money when i'm you know in my 50s and 60s am i ever gonna have kids am i ever gonna buy a house am i am i ever what am i gonna do when it's time to retire and 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 will i have enough saved and my health benefits will they still be there you just can't man you just can't do it it's it's just a terrible terrible way to live and that has what that has been the thing that has caused me 
all of my anxiety. My friend Jonathan Branstein said to me once, comedians have drug addict mentality. What's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? He's so right. He's so right. And I don't think it's just comedians. I'm a comedian, and that's why we were talking in that context. But it's not just comedians. So many of us, so many of us in the culture that we live in have drug addict mentality. What's next? What's next? What's next? Got to get that promotion. Got to get that raise. Got to get more. My neighbor has that car. Why don't I have that car? I need that car. They have a house with this many rooms. My house only has that many rooms. I need to get a house with more rooms. They have two kids. We only have one kid. We need to have another kid. It's fucking crazy. It's fucking crazy. And you wonder why we're all going to bed with stomach aches and waking up with headaches. I mean, it's insane. It's insane. So fuck the future. That's the motto of this podcast. Fuck the future. Fuck it. Stop thinking about what what dreams may come and a brighter tomorrow and hope for this and that. Fuck that. Focus on today. Did you enjoy your life today? Did you have fun this hour? Did you smile in the last 15 minutes? Did you have a decent conversation with the person you were talking to or were you tuned the fuck out? Wondering who's texting me or who's emailing me or did I update my Twitter uh, or did I ever hear back from the guy I called about the car and the fuck that. Did you enjoy your lunch? Did you focus on what you had to do at work while you were doing it or were you just thinking about the shit you got to do tomorrow? Focus on right now. God, if I could employ any of these philosophies on a daily basis. My God almighty, I'd be a great, I'd be in great shape. I'd be in great shape if I could apply this stuff to my life. (laughs) Guys, I'm struggling with it too. I'm not being preachy. I I have such a hard time with this stuff. I'm telling you this for me as much as I am just to say it out loud to if you want to hear me say it or not. Um, But that's the whole thing, man. And I also think that looking back into the past causes anxiety, too, because that's what regret is. Regret is anxiety. I should have done it like this. I should have done it like that. I almost just said I should have done it with a wiffle ball bat, the Paul Revere, and it was such a bad joke to make. I didn't say it. But then even just calling attention to the fact that I thought of it was still, in some weird way, me making that bad joke. Um. This is how I live. Do you hear this? It's like constant. I, sh- I almost said this. I didn't say that. I should have said. I almost just did it again. I said this and that again. I almost made the wiffle ball bat joke again. Whew. All right. Um, but yeah, looking back, you know, a lot of us do that. I wish it could be this time again. I wish I, wish I would have known back then that what I know now, you know, that classic thing. I am really, really trying not to do that anymore as well because I have a terrible habit of looking at the past and saying, my God, what a good time it was back then. Oh, if I only had enjoyed it a little more. Oh, I didn't know how good I had it and all that stuff. You know, we've, we've talked about this stuff uh, on the podcast in the, sense, in the sense of nostalgia. There's nothing wrong with nostalgia. Um, but when you look back with regret, and you long for, God, I just wish I could be in that time again. You're, there you go, anxiety popping its head out again. Oh, and you can't do it. You can't do it. I wish I hadn't have done that. Oh, I said that was stupid when I said that. Why did I say that? Yeah, yeah, it probably was stupid. Who gives a shit? Everybody says stupid shit. And anybody that's going to judge you forever on a stupid thing you said is a fucking asshole. Is a fucking asshole. So why are you worried about it? Why am I worried about it? We all worry about it. We're all worried. Did that guy hear me say that? Did that guy see me when I was drunk? Did that girl, you know, she's, I was stoned and I looked dumb and da 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 Or I, I made that joke and it bombed and she didn't. What the fuck are we worried? So did that person a million other times with a million other people. It's not just us, you know? But I I know I do that, you know, where I think it's just me. 
I'm the only idiot in the world that's ever said a dumb thing in a conversation or, or you know, tripped while I was walking into a room or laid out an opinion that was not well received. My opinions caused me great anxiety and have caused me great regret over the year because I'm, I'm sort of an opinionated guy and, and a sort of loud, outspoken guy. And I'll tell you, 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 you hit certain walls with that. You talk to people and they go, I, sometimes a group of people, and I don't mean on stage, I mean just in conversation at a party, and they'll go, none of us agree with anything you're saying right now. And you're like, uh, okay, I'm a fucking asshole. But then if you stop and really think about it, it's like, no, that's, a, that's actually a really great thing. That's a beautiful thing. Conflicting opinions and conversation. That's real interaction. That's real, that's real human interaction. That's what a conversation is supposed to be. It doesn't always need to be agree, agreement all across the board, all around. It should be people disagreeing with each other and having contrasting opinions and things. Because that's what conversation used to be. Uh, and it's not so much anymore. It's, I feel like so much now is we're all trying to agree with each other all the time. You know, but, and that's a, a major, so, so then that's a major cause of anxiety is when, when suddenly somebody or a group of people disagrees with you. Now you feel like the outsider. It's like, it's okay to be the outsider once in a while. And I'll tell you this, I, more times than not, in those moments where I felt like an asshole or I felt stupid because I was in the minority opinion, later on people told me, those people that didn't agree with me told me how much they appreciated being in disagreement with me. My friend, uh, Brent Sullivan, who's a hilarious comic, you should check him out if, uh, if you haven't yet. He's great. Brent Sullivan, really funny guy. Brent and I have completely, completely different political opinions. We have completely different stances. So much to, so that we've been, after a few beers usually, in heated debates where he's going, how can you think that? That's crazy. Dude, Joe, what are you talking about? Because my stance is always like, I'm apathetic. I don't care. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get involved. And we've had discussions where we're almost yelling at each other. We are yelling at each other. Every one of those discussions has ended with the two of us saying, I love running into you. I love when we hang out in a bar like this. It's so invigorating and 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 intriguing and, and it's a great conversation and and it's it's a again, it's a beautiful thing. So I need to learn how to take that and go, you know what? Instead of getting anxious when somebody else doesn't feel that way in a conversation with me, I just need to realize not everybody's going to feel that way with me. Sometimes you just don't hit it off with everybody. You know, Bill Burr has said to me a million times, you're not going to gel with everybody. And you know what? That's okay. It's okay to just not hit it off with somebody. And I think if we could all accept that, uh, we'd have a lot less anxiety in our lives. A lot of our anxiety comes from this sort of social media always on display lifestyle that we all live now you know our worth has been quantified how many followers do you have on twitter how many likes and friends do you have on facebook how many people are looking at your pictures on instagram how many people are revining you there's a number you can put on your worth that says this many people like me and the ultimate goal on social network on any social network is does everybody like me? Or at least does everybody that's seen me on here like me? Well, we all know the obvious answer to that is no, absolutely not. That's crazy. But it sure puts out that illusion that they do. It sure does. Hundreds or thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of people giving you a stamp of approval on a social network, making you feel like I'm liked. I'm accepted. I am accepted. And we can all see by the Twitter wars that take place and the Facebook, you know, status update battles between people uh, that go on. 
that we sure don't like it when somebody tells us they don't accept us. Why? Makes you feel like an outcast. We got to get shut of it. We got to shut all that out, get rid of it. That was a very, very subtle Glengarry Glen Ross reference. If you didn't catch it, I don't have time to explain it. If you did catch it, good for you. That was a little something extra. Um, but we have to, we have to get a, a handle on that stuff because that's where all this anxiety comes from. Fuck what happened yesterday. Fuck what's happening tomorrow. And fuck anybody that doesn't accept you or gel with you. I don't mean fuck them like it's their problem. I just mean like, and also that doesn't mean, so just be a dick. I don't mean that either. Just saying if you really are trying to be the best version of you that you can be or the version of you that you like, that you truly like, not selfish, you know, and not completely selfless either. You know, it's supposed to be a balance between selfishness and selflessness. But if you're living as the you that you really want to be and somebody's not into it, that's okay, man. Don't, don't, don't cause yourself stress over that shit, you know? So with that being said, let's go to Twitter <laughs> and see what questions people have for us today. This one is from at Mitch Esm. Seven, M-I-T-C-H-E-S-M, number seven. I am a newly recovering alcoholic. How do you deal with panic slash anxiety that sets in the day after heavy drinking? Um, well, you know, I don't think there is a way to deal with it other than not drinking heavily. Um, I don't think it's an automatic or a given that comes along with a night of heavy drinking. I think it's for me at least, a thing that comes along with heavy drinking in too many days in a row or or too many days in a short period of time uh, or heavily drinking the night before I have a day of things to take care of. So what I try to do now is uh, reduce the nights during the uh, any given week that I have an alcohol, that I have alcohol intake at all, meaning now I do it I, one to two nights. On those nights, I try to have fun, not get completely shit-faced where I'm going to wake up the next day and feel like death all day. Um, and also, too, when you sort of, you know, uh, pin it down to one or two nights, um, you know, then you feel okay. I, I, for, at least for me, I feel okay about it then. I'm like, okay, these are my fun nights. You know, and I and I line it up when the next day I don't have anything to do, and I'm like, okay, this is okay. Like, I worked hard all week, and I can let loose now. And, and feel okay about it versus, you know, what I used to do, which is end up out on a Tuesday night after doing shows and then go, ah, why not? And next thing you know, it's 4 a.m. You're shit-faced. And, you know, I'm like, well, why the fuck did I do this? This is bad. It's Tuesday. That's what would cause me anxiety, the, the, the regretting the action of that. So those are my thoughts on that. This is from... Uh, Samantha and who at Samantha, the letter N, HWL. Ever get a pain due to your anxiety that's so strong you pass out? That's happened three times and it's a laugh riot. Jesus Christ. Nope. That's never happened to me. Ever. Not even close. Um, I can't tell if you're being sarcastic by saying it's a laugh riot. I hope you are. That doesn't sound funny at all um i mean granted if we were talking and you just out of nowhere you went ow <laughs> if we were talking having conversation, and you went i'm nervous ow and then passed out i'd probably that'd be funny probably but uh <laughs> uh i don't know what that is um a more educated man would but not me uh get that checked Here's from uh, the only BWS at the only B. Okay, no, that's about something else. Sorry, folks. We haven't perfected this Twitter system yet. Um, here's one from Sluggo Hussein at S-L-U-G-G-O-H-U-S-S-E-I-N. Is there such a thing as sexual anxiety like I'm afraid that my rod not being up to par this fucking autocorrect 
really fucks up tweets, man. This says, am afraid of my rod being up to pair. I know what you mean. He means I'm afraid of my rod not being up to par with the girl's last sex partner. Um, sexual anxiety because of dick size. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to act like I've never had that. I mean, I don't have a tiny dick, but I don't have a big one either. I have a regular dick and um, a regular size dick. It is a regular dick. It doesn't have two heads or anything. Uh, but it's a regular size, you know, and uh, yeah, there are times when I'm like, oh, man, is is this where it needs to be? Is this right what we need, you know? But it's not terrible anxiety. It's the same anxiety in that sense that I would get, like, if I had people over for dinner, like, did I make enough food? I hope so. If I didn't, oh, fuck it. There's a McDonald's across the street. You know what I mean? Let her go to Dick McDonald's if she's not satisfied. The Dick drive through Get her fill there. Uh, this is from at Imperial underscore Lizard. Are jumpy legs and chewing nails really signs of anxiety or potential suicide or any of that horse shit they scare you with? Uh, I, I can't speak to that. It would be irresponsible of me. Uh, I don't know if jumpy legs and chewing nails are signs of potential suicide. I, I do think they are signs of anxiety, absolutely, because I uh, I do bite my nails, uh, and I do have jumpy legs. I don't bite my nails a ton, um, but uh, I do jump my leg a bunch, and that's just nervous energy. You're just trying to get it out of your body in any way you can, and when you're sitting, the only thing you can do is pop your leg up and down. I also drum on the table, which drives my mom crazy whenever I'm around her. Uh, and again, it's just nervous energy. Um, the nail biting thing is intense, man. I I know a I know a girl in grade school that used to bite the skin off her fingers. She'd bite her fingers. Her knuckles were all like red, and you know there were all these like abrasions and stuff. And it was because she would chew the skin off her fingers. I mean, it looked so incredibly painful, and she just kept doing it. I, I hope she, that to, that's, I would say, is nervous, wouldn't you? When you start eating your own skin and you're not stranded on a desert island in a Stephen King story where you have to do that. Uh, this is from at Kelly Collette. Okay, that's just a video link. She says, she sent me a video to watch when she has anxiety. But I obviously we're not going to watch the video right now. But uh, that is a good thing, though, Kelly, like, I think you need to have your little go-to things like that you watch or listen to. I have certain music I listen to whenever I feel wound a little tight, and it always calms me down. You know, Huey Lewis is a big one. You put on sports, there's no way you don't feel okay. Heart of rock and roll, heart and soul, I want a new drug, uh, walking on a thin line, if this is it. That, that there's no way if you're wound up that that album doesn't help you settle down a little bit. You know, I'll put on like comedy to calm me down. Carlin, uh, uh, as always, you know, I find very soothing to listen to and reassuring. Cosby, uh, Seinfeld, uh, really like, you know, puts me in like a nice mood. Um, and then there are certain movies, you know, like if I'm going to bed and I'm feeling like kind of wound up, I'll put on one of my favorite movies and it sort of helps me drift to sleep the way a nice lullaby would. Uh, that's I find that very helpful if you're not into that. Like putting a movie on that you're really familiar with as you go to bed helps because you're so familiar with it, you're not staying awake to listen or listen to it or watch it. It just comforts you. And it is like a sort of a lullaby. It's nice. Um this is from at Jake Miller, 3130. Uh, do you ever find that anxiety is more self-induced rather than legitimately caused by other things? Uh, yeah, well, that's kind of what we said all day on the show today. Like, I do think it is mostly self-induced. It's not focusing on the things that are important to focus on, which is the here and the now. Um, and if we could, and and also the concerns that others the concerns about the thoughts others may have about us. So uh, all those things are, I think, what really cause it, and that's all done by the self. Uh, this is from D.A. 
Telemac. Okay. At D A T E L E M A Q U E. Is that Telemac? I don't know. Uh, are things like social anxiety a luxury of first world nations? Do African child soldiers get anxious at birthday parties? That's a great question, man. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I would say, yeah. It's, it is sort of first world bullshit. You know? I mean, I don't want to say it's bullshit. It's, 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 it's not bullshit. It's a product of the society and the culture we live in. You know, it's unfair when people say things like, like, because it's a first world problem, it's bullshit. Well, it's not bullshit. Because it's a first world, world problem, because, which means it's legitimate because you're raised in the first world. So you're conditioned, you're conditioned to, 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 this, to have this problem. So it's just a problem that you have to deal with, and then you have to deal with it. It doesn't mean it's, it's, it's nonsense. But I do, that being said, I do agree that, yeah, I highly doubt some kid that's got to worry about his hand getting cut off uh, so then he can't fire the machine gun properly uh, because of blood diamond business. I don't think that kid's, you know, worried that his joke bombed next to the shrimp platter at the party last week, you know? Um, this is from my friend Angie. Uh, you can follow her at Angie um frissery <laughs> some friend i am i can't say her last name properly at angie f-r-i-s-s-o-r-e frissery i always just knew her as angie she's sweet and she's a writer and she writes a lot of great stuff about comedians does a lot of great reviews uh check her out on twitter how do you fight the urge slash desire to hide during moments of anxiety uh i can't hide because i'm giant that's the toughest thing is a six foot two man it's kind of hard to hide um i guess what angie's asking is you know if you you know how do you not just maybe put your head up over or the covers up over your head um and literally lay in bed all day i can't do that i you know i know people that do that that kind of shut it down when they get nervous or anxious and, and don't want to deal and just sleep. I can't do that. My anxiety keeps me awake. So my tendency is usually to go deeper into the belly of the beast. You know, if I'm nervous, of me, if I'm nervous about something, I don't usually retreat into my bedroom. It's usually like I go out into public. Um, and then I start like doing other things to, to self medicate it. Like, spending money i shouldn't be spending buying things for myself i don't need you know all of the guys if i deserve this treat yourself it's like, well it's the third time this week you've treated yourself you you've got enough treats for a while so i that's i just deal with it in the opposite way uh if i could sleep i would i just can't um at cell jerk c-e-l-l jerk i've been Falling recently every night in dreams. Anxiety is giving me anxiety. Yeah, that's tough, man. I've been there where your your daytime anxiousness causes you to have like nerve wracking dreams. One of my one of my anxiety things is my crippling fear of death. And I didn't want to get too into it on the podcast because I want to talk. I want to do a whole episode about death. But I I do have pretty crippling fear of death again this is thinking about the future um and i my fears go into sort of vivid vivid morbid fantasies about um how i might die which involve horrific car wrecks and things like that um it's horrible and i hate that i think about it and i have to shake myself out of it literally shake myself out of it uh when it happens but um, that'll cause me to then sometimes fall asleep and have really intense death dreams or like, you know, or if I'm feeling insecure about my relationship with somebody, I'll go to sleep and I'll have like a terrible dream where my parents come to me and tell me that they're aliens and that they don't love me and, uh, you know, and, and that uh, this was all, my whole life has been a scam and it's, uh, yeah, I feel you there. Um I don't know how to deal with it, um, but I've been there, and it's it's tough. It's tough. Um, this is from T Feast 
13. Uh, how do you deal with anxiety? What do you do? Well, I'm still trying to figure out how to deal with it. Um, but I would say, and sorry to be repetitious, the, the, to me the best way to deal with it is the Deepak Chopra thing. Chopra thing. Don't think about the past. Don't think about the future. Too much. There are right and wrong ways to do it. Uh, and focus on the here and now. All right, this comes from Christy Colleen, at Christy Colleen. That's with a K, R-I-S-T-I. C-O-L-L-E-E-N. People with anxiety, parentheses, me and parentheses, would get too much anxiety from worrying if their anxiety question was stupid. Oh, I see what you did there, Christy. As I tweet out, everybody send anxiety questions, and then she's saying she's too scared that, uh, that, she, that, that she got too anxious to send a question. That's endearing. I like that. I thought that was sweet. Uh, this is from my buddy at Fellas 2 uh, Joe at Kurt Metzger called you a, a shellfish on the show yesterday. Um, that's okay. That's okay because Kurt looks like a frightened snow crab. It's just all limbs and bug eyes. So we're in the same crustacean family. I don't have a problem with that. Um, this is from our engineer, Ernie. That's a first ever on the show. Ernie, send a question. What do you think about pot use for anxiety? Ernie, <laughs> I love, first of all, that you're sitting right there and tweeted the question because you're so concerned about sound issues. You didn't want to just ask me. Ernie's so concerned to talk off the mic because he does. he's like, it doesn't, it compromises the quality of the show. I respect that, Ernie. You're a good man. Um well, here is what I think about pot. It's funny because I just bought a bunch of pot yesterday because I need it, Ernie. It's a medical, I have a back thing. Uh, so I buy a lot of pot for that back. Uh, but yeah, I bought a bunch yesterday and I was talking to my buddy who also was with me and bought a lot of pot. Um, I said, you know, man, I like smoking, but uh, it just makes me so goddamn paranoid sometimes. That's what I'm always saying to the, to the guy at the clinic when I'm buying. I get paranoid. What? Tell me what kind to, to get or whatever. What's like a clean high? What's a mellow? Because if I take the, there's the body pot and then the head pot, sativa and indigo. I can't remember which is which. But the, the head one sometimes gets me two in the head and it gets me racing up top and then my heart gets going and I'm freaking out in one direction. And then the body one puts me way too down and then I'm just like sinking into myself and worrying about everything I said that day. And I need to get somewhere in the middle of that. But then the answer to that isn't just doing a hybrid of the two because that doesn't, that can still pull you in the wrong direction. So I think that pot can cause quite a bit of stress. I always think that for, for some reason it's going to be as easy as just telling myself, oh, I'm just high. It'll be okay. Just remember that, Joe, as you smoke right now, that when you get a little weird in a couple minutes, that you're just high, it'll be okay. And it's never that easy. It's never that easy, you know? But I mean, pot's like liquor. You just have to find the kind that works for you. And look, maybe some doesn't, you know, most people don't want to accept the fact that pot might just not work for them, you know? And look, maybe it doesn't work for me. It used to uh, tremendously. I used to smoke it every day. Uh, in recent years, though, it's gotten much harder for me to uh to smoke it with any regularity and and i have to be really careful about who i smoke with and when i smoke and where i smoke and all this stuff so i enjoy it uh but it does cause me more anxiety you know or potentially then causes me more anxiety than it relieves i don't understand people that are like yeah man i smoke it to relax what the fuck are you talking about man that's what booze does for me booze relaxes me Puts me into a social mood immediately. Gets me talking. Gets me excited. Uh, I know it's weird to say it relaxes me and gets me excited. I mean, it's like it makes me want to have a conversation. It locks me in a little more. Um, I'm definitely a little more of a booze guy than a pot guy. Booze is the thing that takes the stress away. But that being said, I still try to regulate it, you know, and, and not not overdo it. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I got to figure out the right drugs. 
that's that's probably a healthy way to deal with all of it. Let me figure out another substance I can take to try to deal with all my stress. <laughs> that's not the method, guys. That's not the solution. Um, all right, one last question. This is from uh, Andres. Ooh, I don't know. Kameno. His his handle is a is at a c a a m a n o zero one two five. Uh, and this says futility versus opportunity. Can it be useful as a catalyst? Can obsessing, oh, can anxiety be useful as a catalyst? Can obsessing about the inevitable lead to an epiphany? Um, I'm not, I'm embarrassed to say, I'm not sure I understand the question. Um, well, I understand what you're saying. Can anxiety the first part, can anxiety be used as a catalyst? Yeah, I think so. I think like it can certainly prod you to take action in a certain direction. To me, the most, the best catalyst you could use it for is to say, I don't want to fucking feel like this anymore. I'm done feeling like this. And I think you'll be better off just trying to figure out ways to not feel like that. Uh, more specifically in the way that you're talking about, yeah, I definitely think like having a little fire under you sometimes is a good thing, you know. I say with comedy a lot of the time, you know, it's harder, you know, in the entertainment business in general, it's harder to to get ahead if you always have some money coming in or have a lot of money in the bank or whatever because the whole thing with this business is it's, you know, it's got to you've got to be motivated to break through to that next artistic level. It's hard to do that when you're comfortable. You know, and artists say it all the time. When uh, when we got rich, dried up, we didn't care anymore, we were lazy or whatever. That's why that happens, you know. You know why does that band suck now? Because they made a lot of money and it got really easy and they didn't have to try to figure out, like, the best version of themselves anymore. They just, they just had to put an album out or whatever. So I think anxiety in that sense can be useful. I wouldn't say, so go out there and, stress yourself out and rely on it but but you know i don't know it, it can be useful um and yeah i think that's a you know what andres that's a good enough answer to your question and because this whole episode is about not stressing myself out relieving anxiety i'm going to go with good enough it doesn't have to be the best and it's not the worst it was appropriate and that's fine and that's where we all should be in our lives at an appropriate place Stop pushing yourself too hard. Stop thinking about the shit you should have done. Stop thinking woulda, coulda. Put all that out of your head. Live appropriately. What I did today was the best I could do. It was good enough, and I enjoyed myself. And I guarantee you, all of us, all of us, if we do that and think that way, will live sounder, healthier, happier lives. And I wish you that. I do. Thank you for listening. Uh, this has been Down with Joe DeRosa. Uh, upcoming tour dates. Uh, I'm coming to Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm coming to Buffalo, New York. Uh, I'm coming to uh, the uh, Comics Comedy Club at the Foxwood Casino. Um, that's in July, followed by uh, Helium in Buffalo, uh, New York, uh, the following week. Uh, Scottsdale, Arizona is uh, at the end of June. Um, and then in October, I know uh, I've got Philly coming up. We're going to uh, be at Helium again uh, in Philadelphia. Uh, I'm also going to be back in Lancaster, Pennsylvania at the, uh, at the Chameleon uh, once again. Um, and uh, I'll also be up in Albany, New York in the fall, uh, in October as well. So uh, these dates are all coming up. They're all on my website, joederosacomedy.com. You can get the specifics there. You can buy tickets there. Uh, and until next time, thank you. Take care.